first full meeting freshman year, what do you need to do over the course of four years to be able to hang up your cap and goggles and put that sport behind you and move on as an individual human being, as that person, not as a swimmer, as a person. Who are you and what are your goals while you're there? And you get a lot of really different answers and it really depends on the individual. But I think that that's one of the best ways I find that you can really get to know what an individual's goals are and what they're really is going to help them, what is going to help them motivate themselves throughout the year and how you can touch on that and bring that back. Um, so, let's see. It's all about getting to know the individual person. I have other things that I would love to talk about, but I want to take a break because I've been talking for a little while. So, let's hear from some of you guys. Any questions about what I talked about so far? Comments, thoughts? You talked about the like having freedom and giving like athletes freedom. How you experience that? How do you approach athletes that maybe when you give them that kind of freedom that they don't respond to it well? So kind of because you're talking about coaching the individual. So what kind of adjustment adjustments do you make from person to person? That's a great question. You have to be a chameleon. You have to be the person that your student athletes need you to be. Um, and it depends, each individual, right? I coach probably the best girl on the team, like she's made out of eggshells. And then I coach the individual, um, there's another girl on the team who really likes me to get in her face and yell at her, but she likes that, she wants that. So you have to, again, remind yourself of what their goals are and how they want to achieve that, right? And it's, it is, you do have to be a team and be who you do. Is that because it's such an individualized sport you do that? Or or do you still have like a group? So it is a group thing, right? So when mm -hmm. I write a practice, um, it's I have 12 people in my group, mm -hmm. and they all do the same practice, and they're swimming next to each other in the lanes. They're hopefully racing each other and pushing each other to get faster and being competitive within that practice. But at the same time, a lot of it is just like aerobic capacity things. So for example, we do really intense like warm-up sets where I expect them to absolutely push themselves to like be fully warmed up before we get started on the main set, which I coach sprinting, so we do a lot of short, sharp, fast things on high rest. So in warm up, we switch that, we invert it, because I want to train a lot of different systems, otherwise we're not going to be able to be as good as we are, as we want to be at the end of the year, and you're just going to fail at the back half of your races. So, um, you know, for example, like, I'll give, like, for example, Five 100s on an interval that's really tight. So you do five times where you go up and down the pool four times, all right? And then at the end of each time, you're probably giving about 90 to 95% effort, and you're getting, it takes you about a minute. You get about four, maybe five seconds rest, and then you do it again, and you do it five times. Now, it takes us a long time to get to the ability to do that. So kind of that we have to work towards as a group, motivating everybody to achieve that success as a group. And so we do have those group goals, right? There are these certain expectations as far as holding intervals and holding these things and pushing each other, going certain times off the blocks that you have to work towards as a crew. But as the individual side, you gotta look at the individual motivations to get each person to be able to do that. That's probably the best way I can answer that one. Anybody else? It's kind of steers more on the strength condition side. Who was your uh, coach before Reggie that trained you all? Um, we had, we were kind of in the intro, we had David. David? What is like the difference you see between him and David? Like how does, how, what is, how does you see like Reggie's benefit for your team and performance stand? Yeah, 
Um, I think Reggie does a really great job. So our current strength conditioning coach, Reggie, is he's, he's awesome. He's probably one of the best strength coaches I've ever had for a swim team. Um, okay. He really breaks down the fact that I mentioned it. I wasn't an athlete. I was a swimmer, right? I was floppy as all heck. Like you asked, I had no idea what alignment was because I was used to being held up by the water. And that's pretty much true for every single one of the kids on the team. So he recognizes that. He understands that. He understands that we're not trying to be powerlifters. Yeah. We're trying to specifically train those systems that are going to assist and help with swimming and swimming in the pool. Um, he also does a really good job of getting to know the individual. I think, you know, Dave was great. I think he did a really good job of like, connecting with some of the students. But Reggie tries to connect with each and every one of these kids. And I really respect the heck out of him for that. And I respect the heck out of him for writing a program that makes sense for a sport that not many strength coaches understand. Swimming's weird, guys. Like, it's not really like a lot of other stuff, but it's yeah. kind of out there. Um, in addition to that, his idea of movement over max of seeing his core philosophy is probably one of the most helpful things for us because it's not about how much we max, it's yeah. about how well we can move. just like the mechanics of swimming. Yeah, it is, so it just, it also partially depends on what group you're in. It depends on, um, like, right? the shortest event is less than 20 seconds if we're doing it right. The longest event is 15 to 16 minutes. So you've got a wide range, right? You've got 50 through the mile. There's four different strokes. There is a, you can hurt every single muscle and still not get to the bottom of getting enough power, right? And it's the difference in how you train the different groups, right? Sprinters tend to be bigger, bulkier, you need to lift heavier weights, you need to do more of Olympic style lifting. When you talk about the distance kids, that's more of that, you know, a lot more heavily invested in that movement over Max's idea, but where we do high numbers of repeats on lower weight, just so we're training the correct aerobic or anaerobic systems, the finding the right threshold capacity, things like that. So yeah, it's 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 an all whole, whole body sport. <laughs> I would say it's what I always compare it to is probably one of the most similar sports. Um, you know, as far as you've got the wide range, you've got a huge range of different motions that you can do, especially if you do decathlon <coughs> things like that. Um, yeah, I I would definitely compare them. I do have a really funny anecdote about one of our girls that swam and then did the track team in the spring one year. And the track girls asked her, what do you guys do when you get tired? Do you just stand up in the middle of the pool? And I was like, and she's like, I'm pretty sure our coach would jump in and try and save us if we did that. Like, do they think we were dead? <laughs> so it's, it's, in a lot of ways, it, it is very, very similar. I think that the, the systems that you use, I usually So that you have a co-ed team, like your group is co-ed too. How do you find it like, do you find it difficult or like easy coaching men as a woman, like a female coach? That's a really good question. I like that a lot. Um, okay, yes. <laughs> most of these guys and most of these girls too, have never had a female coach. They, they don't know what to do with you at first. They look at you in a lot of 
sometimes the reaction from the guys is, oh my God, that woman scares me. <laughs> well, that's not what I'm going for, okay? I don't mean to scare you. I mean business, but I'm not trying to scare you, okay? It makes it easier if you do approach each person as an individual because you have to find out with that person what is going to help them respect you. You have to find what's going to make them. You've got to find that respect. If your kids don't respect you, you're in some trouble. Um, and the motivation for girls to respect and guys to respect is inherently, for the most part, very different. Now, there is a lot of crossover and there's a lot of places where it really intersects. But what guys are really looking for is, is knowledge. They, a lot of times, they'll tell you in those beginning goal meetings that they want you to be really hard on them. They want you to push them, and they want you to remind them that they're swimming for like a higher purpose. The girls' goal meetings, if I were to sum them up, they want to make sure that you know them, that you understand where they're coming from, and that you're really listening to them, and that you want them to achieve their individual specific goals, and that you respect the fact that they're part of a, a group and a team, and that they do also like to be treated as a group and a team, but it's definitely a little bit less team-oriented in a really strange way than the guys' side. The guys kind of get this like group mentality really easily, or the girls are just like, oh my gosh, this <laughs> And then we'll go with their like four little friends and they hang out together, right? So it's, you, you just, it's finding those different avenues to what makes the individual tick. It's how you'll drive respect. It's easier once you get established in a program, and then the upperclassmen can say, hey, you should probably listen to that person. I don't know what she's talking about. Like, we've all dropped time the last couple of years, or, you know, like, we really respect these like things about this individual, even if the results aren't necessarily there. younger I needed that time. Now I've been coaching 
I mean, I was coaching through the majority of my time when I was swimming myself, like from when I was probably, well, how old was I, like 10 when I started helping out with the little kids, all the way up through when I was in college. I was coaching every single summer, every opportunity that I had. I was back working with other athletes in other summers. Um, but it's, it's definitely, like, it, it was really nice for me to have that in my developmental coaching phase, and now I feel like I have a lot more of the ability to just, like, it comes a little bit more organically. Well, I can never get finished getting better as a coach. You can always learn more. You can always improve yourself. You can always find out new things that are being developed in regards to your sport. Um, it's a little bit easier when you've been in it for a few years. Does that answer your question? I feel like I was a little vague on that. Okay. What else we got? Anybody else? Because I got like one or two more tidbits of, of whatever wisdom I got to share. Um, okay, I'll talk about, I'll talk a little bit about team culture because I think a lot of it is driven from top down. Um, a lot of the culture, yes, does come from those student athletes and that group of people and finding out what direction they're ready to tell you that they want to go in. Then you have to support them in that and you have to be an example of what that looks like and you have to hold them accountable for what they told you they wanted to do in regards to culture for that year. It's never fixed, it's never gonna stay the same from year to year. You're gonna graduate class, you're gonna get a whole new class in. For example, this year, we got 14 new girls on the team. We graduated 14, we got 14 new ones. That is about a third of our program that we do this year. So we had to find out what direction they wanted to go in this year, and we're building. Our women's team, they're struggling this year because They've got to build. We've got to train these girls that have come in, and they don't have a lot of experience, and we've got to get them to the point where we know they can achieve things. But it's a bumpy road along the way. Right now, we haven't been a dual meet yet. They are so young, and they are so new, and they haven't quite figured it out, and they are beat down as all heck. It's about supporting them and helping them remember that the culture that they decided to set at the beginning of the year, which was really fun and really excited about training, it's all about the process, right? So it's about supporting them in that cultural process and that cultural change. It's gonna keep changing every single year. It never sits. You can't sleep on it. You have to continually support it. So what does that mean in my mind? That means consistency. That means you have to reward effort instead of talent. You cannot just sit there and say, oh look, there's the best person in the, on the program. They don't try every day in practice. They're still the fastest, but oh my goodness, look at them, they're so great. No. Now, the person that you should be rewarding, the person you're paying attention to, the person that you invest your time in, are the people that put the effort and the work in. That's who has to get the biggest focus from you. Because otherwise, then everybody's gonna say, oh, well, they're fast and they just kind of float through every practice. Well, why don't I try that? And look, coach seems to love them. Why don't I just float through? And if they mess up and, you know, they don't get in trouble, well, that's fine. I'm gonna mess up and get in trouble. Oh, wait, why is it that the fastest person doesn't get in trouble? Right? So it's about consistency, right? Because I've had coaches like that. I've had coaches that, how forbid they ever should punish the fastest person. Like, that's not how that should work. It has to be consistent. You have to drive that culture forward as an entire group. You have to bring everybody with you. You can't leave anybody behind. Is it hard to stay consistent as a coach, or do you feel like you've found your consistency approach and really stuck to it, or is it taking a while to build that? Because I know it's, as a teacher, it's hard to be consistent, but that's what you strive for. Right, and I think part of that plays into the fact that you have to understand that each individual situation is different, right? Like, mm -hmm. somebody is gonna come to you and say, I missed Monday morning practice, I'm so sorry. 
but you know, for no other reason than they just stayed up too late. And you know, maybe somebody comes to you and says, I miss Monday morning practice because you know, my like grandfather died last night. Like things like that, right? And it's there's there's a wide range of why we end up in situations we end up in. So I think that the consistency is setting the expectations, making sure that people know those expectations right off the bat, and making sure that you stay with those expectations. So, and when I, you know, there's always gonna be points where there's gonna be exceptions to the rule. And as long as you explain that, say, look, I'm not gonna be the world's meanest person. If you miss this practice, and you come to me apologizing, ready to make it up, and ready to move forward past this point, you don't make that mistake again, then that's fine, we can work with this. Giving people an opportunity to change and get better is hugely important in being consistent, not just with punishments, but with everything, and everything is about giving them opportunities to change moving forward. So, yes, I don't necessarily, I feel like I, it, maybe it took me a little bit to develop, but I didn't really have too hard of a time kind of finding my way towards that consistency, because for the most part, if they're screwing up, it's gonna be done intentionally. If you can't tell me that you went out and had a party on a Wednesday night, two days before we left for a big meet, and that wasn't intentional. Like, that's the things that are easy to be consistent in. The things that are hard to be consistent in tend to be a little bit lower profile, a little bit less of a big deal. Um, but, so, I don't really find it too hard to be consistent with that. Um, do you guys just specifically for your team, do you guys do like individual punishment or like team punishment, depending on like what the, I guess the issue is, but. Um, I would say it depends on the situation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I can't really get any more, because it, it, it all depends, right? But my thing is with punishments is you have to lay them out at the beginning of the year. Because for the most part, like, you guys can't surprise us. Like, I mean, you'd really have to go way out there to really surprise us. And in that situation, we could never, like, you know, have a set thing that we're going to do. But it's pretty easy to say, like, if you do this, this is your punishment. If you do this, this is your punishment. If you miss study hall, if we find out that, you know, you went out and broke the team dry season rules, if you did this, this is the punishment. And there's no excuses for those things. I mean, yeah. Is that like a, your athlete code of conduct you have and they sign something? Yeah, we give that at the beginning of mm -hmm. the year. Yeah, we talk about it, we go over it, and we try to hold people accountable to it. Mm -hmm. And a big part of that is our captains, too, and that depends every year on how successful they are. How do you decide the captains? Do you like? Do you just coach? Okay. Mm -hmm. We do uh, ranked voting. So the first person gets three, second person gets two, last person gets one. And if um, we also as coaches each get a ranked voting, <coughs> thing. so I mean, I'll be honest. Like if we know that somebody's going to vote a captain that really just shouldn't be, and maybe all right, if they're like far and away in the league, we're not going to we're going to say that team. If that's where you want to go, that's fine. You can have that person. But if we know that somebody should not be in that position, we'll bump them down a notch. Um, but for the most part, it, it really is, yeah, I don't think we've ever actually had to do that, but we would if we had to. Do you see your players voting on skill or uh, character or effort? Luckily, in the last two years, it's been character and effort. Mm -hmm. Our team captains on the guy's side this year, one of them was a walk-on, and he's gotten better over the years that he's been here, but he's really not that great. He's never scored a lot of points in conference. And the other one, I mean, honestly, it's kind of hard to not have that kid be a captain. He just literally, like, just exudes 
And so it, sometimes they make it easy. But the first year I was here, man, our captains were terrible. Like, they voted on them based on skill and skill alone, and they were a bunch of dunderheads. Like, it was not very good on the guys' side. The women's side was a little better, mostly because they just, in general, lacked that talent, though. So it was just kind of like, they just picked the people that had the biggest, like, group support. So in a lot of ways, those women were way more successful as captains than the guys. Um, yeah, but recently it's been very, very driven by who has the best, like, spirit and motivational attitude. Um, what type of motivation throughout the week you kind of like the conference? Yeah. Um, How do you bring it back in? Yeah. yeah. So it's part of that coaching the individual. I remind them of where they want to go at the end of the year. Um, and that's on the individual side. As an entire group side, if I'm talking to the entire group, I'll remind them of what our goals are at the end of the year as a team. When it comes down to making sure that uh, the problem that I've seen my this year with my my sprint through, like mostly freshmen, four old girls are like, terrified, and the rest of the team they're just silent. So a lot of it's been just working on getting them to come out of their shell to be able to express what their goals are. Um, so you know it's either those really serious goals, or we do really goofy questions at the, every chance we get. Like we do sets that take about 30, 45 minutes, and then in between those we'll try and get the team group talking and like bringing them closer together so that they realize where their common goals are and start to find those places, those things that they have in common. Um, I mean, right now what I'm doing is I'm just asking them ridiculous questions. Like, last week it was like, all right, you can either give me your favorite Christmas song or your favorite pump-up song, because not everybody has like a favorite pump-up song before race, that type of thing. And they like, they get really into these things. If you give them an avenue to have conversations with each other, like, help them understand not just what their own motivations are, but what this person's motivation is, that's how you get them all heading towards the right direction in my mind. And that's been really fun because they finally started talking to each other. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> Anybody else? It's new, so. We have till 12.15. So, I mean, we don't have to go that much longer, but I would like a couple of people that haven't asked a question to maybe ask something that they're thinking about but not raising their hand. Let's see. Or I can ask more. I have a lot more. <laughs> Are you, do you guys swim year-round, or is it a specific time frame? Because I know in high school it's like a specific time frame, but you know, I'm assuming college is a little bit different than well, for my high school, but... Yeah, it, so high school swimming is weird. Um, it's not always the focus in the sport. Yeah. So, like, what I, year-round year swimming is kind of the, the status. Like, everybody who's going to be successful, you have to swim year-round. Like unless you're, you know, one of those just, like, giant sprint guys that can pop off a 50 or 100 of anything. Like, they can take some breaks as long as they're still training something else. But for the most part, you have to swim the entire year. And you will absolutely suffer it. We try to make everybody understand that. Now, we, our season runs from basically two weeks after we get on campus until the end of February. So it is long. And you gotta keep that motivation going for a very long time. Um, and most of the kids that we get, though, they're used to training all year long. And in once they get to college, it's kind of the first opportunity they've had where they don't really have to train year-round, right? They can go home for the summer and. I'm not watching them, I don't know what they get up to. And we have plenty of people who do go home and do absolutely nothing all summer long. But it's really easy to tell who they are when they get back to campus. And what I do as a response to that is I just finally double down on my energy with people that show up. 
So the way that we handle it is in the off season, you can only train eight hours a week. We offer another eight hours of optional practices. It's up to them if they show up. After the school year ends and in the summer, we will run a practice every single morning. It's very, very short. So we're not even asking a lot. It's only an hour and a half, 6 to 7.30, Monday through Friday. So I am not asking a lot for people who decide to stay in Wilmington. And the other part of that is um, we also like invite most of the swim team if they want to stick around. So which also, if anybody knows how to teach a swim lesson, come let me know this summer. We can talk. <laughs> so you might know how to teach. You just need to know how to connect with little children. <laughs> Kelsey. But anyways, so like that's what they do in the summer is, is we'll just train in the mornings. But yeah, we train around. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, so how do you deal with an athlete that's like showing that they're losing track of either focus or priorities or lack of like desire? Like you sit down and you reassess what their goals are. Mm -hmm. And it's, as I said, this is going to change, right? So you decide in the middle of the year that you're just miserable. Well, your goals aren't right. And my only goal for you is to start getting you to have fun again. We I had two girls on the team last year that were seniors, and my only goal for them was for them to have fun because they would get so anxious and they would be so upset about everything, every swim that didn't go like they wanted to. They would just, they would either beat themselves up about it or they would just give up. And so we had one goal, have fun, we did it. They slapped a fake smile on their face at first, but soon it became a real smile and they started to really enjoy the process and enjoy the sport and fall in love with it again. Because you have to love it. And you're literally staring at a black line for two hours straight. You get maybe a total of 15 minutes of time, and that's broken up into like three minute chunks with your teammates in between that. The rest of it, face down, ears in the water, eyes down, and if you're looking at the wall, you're not doing it right, you gotta look at the bottom. <laughs> so it's not a very interactive sport. You have to be so intrinsically motivated. You have to love it, or you're just not gonna be successful. Mm. Yeah. Um, we talked about, um, what was it called, like that, Kind of like when people run, like they get a runner's high. Mm -hmm. Is it like the same like when y'all swim? Like, do you just get in the zone? Yes. It's, I think it's a little different because of the oxygen control. Because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, a lot of what, especially with my group, because we spread, a lot of what we do is breath control. So, you know, yes and no. I still think that's, like, one of the best feelings in the world, though, is, like, 20 minutes later, like, when you truly, you know you've given everything and you're at dinner eating for 40 straight minutes just because you can't stop. And like that, so yes and no, it is different because I've had like that runner side before and it's different from what you get with swimming. Swimming I think is it's a little bit, maybe even ever so slightly more total body, like just a little bit more. I don't really know I'm a terrible runner so I can't really do it. <laughs> well do it. Um, but yeah. Because of the breath control, do you feel as though swimmers are more calm than your typical person because they're... If they're not, we try to work on it. Okay. Because that's a big part of it. Before you go behind the blocks, like, if you get that, if your heart rate starts to spike because you're getting too nervous, you're going to die you're gonna, at the end of your race. Like, hyper, you are going yeah. to eat it. And you're not going to eat rocks out of water, and it's ugly. So if you're not good at that, then you have to work on it. I was lucky because... I didn't, I just kind of knew how to do it. I figured it out really young and like mm -hmm. could just calm myself down. So what I try and do is I try and impart like different tools and techniques. We work on like even mantras, we work on breathing things. There's certain things we do in practice, like, we do like optional breath holding floats. So they'll literally, we do this probably once every two weeks. Uh, 
out. You just float with your feet on the water, your face in the water, and you're just floating there in a dead man's float, and then you hold it as long as you can. And then once you don't think you can hold it anymore, then you sprint to 25 with no breath. So that takes another, Oof. probably, gas of oxygen, Oof. 15 to 16 seconds at a full tilt effort. Our best girl holds her breath for two minutes and then pushes off into a sprint. So you have, but you, in order to do that, if your heartbeat's like that, 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 you're gonna hold it for 30 seconds, like our freshman are right now. Mm -hmm. If it took a couple tries to get to 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. So it's about control. And it's, a lot of that comes into that mental training, right? So having a mantra, having an ability to control your heart rate, it's kind of weird, because you don't think like, how can I actively control something that is not an active system, right? I can't remember the specific word for it. The autonomic nervous yeah, system. Those ones. Um, that, I mean, how do you get your heart rate to drop and how do you control it? Because if you're swimming a two and a half minute event where you breathe, you know, maybe you'll take three breaths a length, so like 25 times, like, mm -hmm. it's, you, you can't let it spike at the wrong time. And it's all about also when it hurts, pushing past that too, mm -hmm. because the oxygen deprivation really drops especially your biggest muscles are here, and the ability to continue kicking in the back half. So what happens in the swimming is if you get tired, you'll see some of these hips are gonna start to drop, and so your feet might still be up, but your hips are here, so now you're pushing against the water, making things harder for yourself. Mm. So you have to be able to kick your hips up and swim downhill continually, and as you lose that oxygen and that ability to control those bigger muscles, you can just immediately see people plummet in the water. For kids that need help swimming who just seem not to move, what type of cues or tips? Because, I mean, obviously I teach swim, and I like to hear cues from good coaches. So what, what are your favorite cues for kids or just anyone in general? Obviously hips up and... Head position means everything. Head position means head everything. Head position is everything. Mm -hmm. Go ahead yourself. Try to float, then hands float in the water. Once you learn how to properly float in the water, then you can start to propel yourself through the water. The reason that people struggle while they swim is because they're trying to pick their heads up and if your hips are dropping, you sink, mm. like a rock. If you get your head down and you float, then you can literally get to the other end of the pool, barely moving your feet, and you'll probably get there faster than if you're like thrashing your way through the water with your head moving all over. Mm. So it's about stability from there. Um, after that, the next point is to connect what I call it. So you've got your four corners of your core, I consider your hip points and your shoulder points controlling what they do in conjunction with each other, right? You, it depends on how fast you're swimming, but for what I would say is most applicable for the lighter effort stuff is tying here to here and keeping this rigid. And everything is led from your legs and your hips as opposed to your shoulders. Because what you'll see is if people are swimming out of sync like this, and you're not keeping your core stable and your head's kind of moving in this direction, that's not gonna work. So imagine that there is a rod going top of your head, down your spine, out your tailbone. And that stays level on the surface of the water and you work your way around that. Now you can do that working on hands to your sides, rotation hip, which you do a lot of. Control through your core, do not let your hips sink at any point. And then when you have to take a breath, making sure that you're keeping one goggle in the water, half of your face in, because that's the first mistake everybody makes. You can have great head position. As soon as you go to breathe, hips drop, you sink. So it's about core stability and training that. Mm. Now, some of my kids are still working on it, right? They're still picking their heads up and still trying to figure that out. Some people it's really intuitive and they've had the proper coaching 
that really helps, I guess, like from the very basic point when they're really young is getting them to be successful at that. But you can never stop getting better at that. Like mm -hmm. everybody can consistently improve. Mm -hmm. Slug in the water, mouth out, top of your head pointed towards you want to go. Because wherever this is pointing, that's where you're going in the pool. Mm. All right, that was awesome. All right, yeah. Thanks, guys. Is this... Oh, yeah. Yeah, you might want that. So I'll see you in a little bit. I'll see you in a little bit, actually. Yeah, awesome. Hey, I'll right. see you there. All right, everybody, we are good for today. Uh, we will see you on Thursday. Alyssa will, will push you forward. Who's uh, presenting on Thursday? Okay, Maddie, no. Okay, McCartney, I think we should be good to go. I'm not sure where Austin was today, so we'll have to maybe push some people forward. If you are being pushed forward, just know that you might be, uh, that I'll, I'll definitely let you know what date you're going to be pushed forward to, okay? All right, everybody, we'll see you on Thursday. Will you let us know by Thursday? Yeah. Before Thursday or just on Thursday? Um, probably on Thursday. Uh, but you'll, you'll, your your group will probably be all right. Do you want us to on keep Thursday? Because we don't have another, we don't have a code, so you'll. Oh, okay. Yeah, you'll you'll be good. Do you want us to keep that paper, or should we turn it in? Yeah, go ahead and turn in your. Turn it in? Yeah. <clears throat> or yeah, I guess yeah, I guess so we could we could have yeah. I'll just have to give it back because I had originally said turn it in. So. But if you want to keep it, that's fine too. Yeah, if you want to keep it, that's fine. Too. Something good? Oh, yeah. Okay. This you? Ooh, my gosh. Come on. Okay, you gotta YouTube that and put, so we can put it on the screen. I'll do it for All right, yeah, for sure. Put that on there. Good presenting skills. You're very comfortable in front of people. Oh, McCartney, don't you think? He's a good talker in front of people. Yeah, you talk. I can't talk. Mhm. I mean, some people get you can tell get really nervous. It didn't seem like you were nervous in front of. I was sweating a little bit. I think it's because I'm a lot. Yeah. Know a lot about it. Yeah. If you know what you're talking about, you're probably good. But if you're if you got to like, because it didn't seem like you were really reading the PowerPoint. You were just you knew what you were going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, the PowerPoint really just I wasn't even going to make. Yeah, it, it it helps our visual learners to to kind of look and read. But that was a good job. Did you have the time for it, or is that time was a little over? I know it was long. But I think overall you're you're pretty good. Uh, I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't see it as an issue or anything like that. So I was trying to talk really fast. I could get through it all. Good. Yeah, I mean, we only had one presenter today, so you did all right. I appreciate it. <laughs>